Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Hello and welcome back to Riverside Online. It's great to have you back with us today. We're starting a new series. Uh, It's called I Am. In John's Gospel, Jesus makes seven statements about himself, and we're going to look at those seven statements over the next few weeks. Today I'm going to start with I am the bread of life, and then next week Jake will do I am the gate, and then Keely will do uh, I am the light of the world. And then over the August period, we're going to have a a break from the I am series. We're going to do um, some content from uh, great vineyard teachers from across the world. So there'll be some talks there on uh, Holy Spirit ministry and identity, and then we'll come back to I am in September. So today we're going to start, as I said, with the statement by Jesus in John's Gospel where he said, I am the bread of life. And he made this statement to a crowd of people who were following him, who were gathered around him. In his book, God's Psychiatry, Charles Allen tells this story about bread. He says, towards the end of World War II, the Allied forces found many orphan children. They gathered them up in camps and took good care of them, feeding them and giving them a safe place to rest their heads at night. One thing they noticed was that even though they were all well-fed, the children slept poorly. And why not after all they experienced, he said. So members of the Allied forces tried something. Each child received a piece of bread, not to eat, but to hold on to while they slept, while they went to bed at night. And uh, the results spoke for themselves. Over time, they felt that they saw the children sleep better, knowing that when they woke, there would be provision for them. The food that was present today would be present tomorrow. And having this comfort and confidence made a massive difference in their lives and in their recovery. So holding the bread meant the children could finally sleep at peace at night. And all through the night, the bread reminded them of the provision of the security and safety that was now theirs to experience. As far as I'm aware, none of us go to bed holding a piece of bread like those children did at the end of World War II. But we're equally, we, we need that sense of assurance, that sense of security, that sense that tomorrow will be okay. We, we crave reassurance at the deepest level, as much as those children who lost everything in those camps in World War II. So this sense of sleeping with bread is something that we, we all need. We need that sense of, of peace uh, at the deepest part of our souls. We're living at a heightened time of anxiety because of the corona pandemic and It's having a huge impact on society, the way we relate, and on our economy. And the bread you need right now might be a sense of assurance that the future will be okay. It might be a sense of security around where your provision is going to come from. It might be confidence in being able to reintegrate in society and and, and actually meet with people once again. In the passage we're going to look at today, Jesus makes this extraordinary claim. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the hunger we feel in our stomachs is not the same as the hunger we feel in our soul. And Jesus, in this statement in John's Gospel, he promises to nourish us at a deeper level than just a physical hunger. He promises to give us peace and security. So we're going to begin by looking at this section in in John 6, and Kath's going to read this section for us now. We're going to read from verse 25 in John 6, right through to 59. It's a long section, but we need to understand the context into which Jesus was speaking to really 
understand the power of this statement that he made. So let's listen to Kath now. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, 
Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Okay, that's, that's a long and potentially very confusing passage in scripture. So let's just begin by breaking it down. What's going on? Well, in the first part of this story, uh, at the start of John chapter 6, Jesus has gathered a crowd of people uh, on, the, on the shore, the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. And John tells us, who's the writer of the gospel, he tells us that this was the time of the Jewish Passover. And so people were about to celebrate the feast where they remembered God's liberation from uh, enslavement in Egypt and how they crossed over the wilderness into a new land. And also it's a time of provision, supernatural provision, when God caused manna to come down daily to them to allow them to eat when there's no other food present in the wilderness. And this supernatural bread, this manna, would have been in the forefront of their mind when Jesus begins to talk about being the bread of life. So while teaching the crowds at the start of John 6, Jesus sees they have no way of feeding themselves. There's no way to get food. They're out in the wilderness. And he demonstrates the abundance of the coming kingdom by taking a, a boy's packed lunch, loaves and fish, and praying. And the disciples take it out and it's multiplied supernaturally. And the crowd of 5,000 plus is fed. Now, you and I read this story, we think that's a nice story, it's a great story, but actually for the people who received that provision, it would have been extraordinary because they were people had to work very hard to eat. They were subsistence farmers or fishermen. They had very little spare. And there weren't convenience stores or fast food outlets or supermarkets scattered around. They didn't have money in their pockets to go and buy food in that way. And so when Jesus came and fed them supernaturally, they would have been amazed that here was a man who not only taught with great wisdom and authority, but also could supernaturally provide for them. And so they saw potentially a man who could become a kind of a figurehead for them. And uh, it says they, they want to make him king by force. And uh, they want to take Jesus and make him a political figure, a, a ruler. But Jesus isn't coming to bring this sort of kingdom. He's coming to bring a different kingdom. So he retreats uh, to a mountainside to, to come away from their expectation. And as he does that, the disciples decide to cross the lake and the storm blows up. We have this extraordinary story of Jesus walking out on the lake to meet them. We haven't got time to go into that today. But the, the disciples and Jesus end up on the opposite side of the lake. And then when the crowds sort of wake up the next morning, they say, where's Jesus gone? And someone says, I've seen him on the opposite side of the lake. And they all jump in boats and go across the lake to find him. And uh, as soon as they arrive, Jesus gets to the heart of their motives of why they find him. He says, you're looking for me because of the signs, because of the food that you, you ate yesterday. Don't work for food that spoils, but food that endures. They saw a man capable of filling their stomachs, but Jesus wanted to fill them at a much deeper, significant level. Jesus was trying to fill their lives with the presence of God, not just fill their bellies with bread. And so he redirects their attention away from the bread and says, don't work for food that spoils. 
And Jesus wasn't creating a schism here between the physical and the spiritual. He brought those two together, embodied in, in himself. He knew what it was to feel hunger. He knew what it was to work. He'd been a carpenter up to the age of 30. So he wasn't trying to create a schism between the natural and the supernatural. He was trying to elevate their thinking to look beyond just the, the natural provision they were seeking. He said, I'm here to really meet a deeper hunger in all of you. And if our lives are just reduced to laboring or working after physical things, food that spoils, as Jesus says, then we can become just like the children who slept without the bread. We may have a surplus of stuff, but we have a deep anxiety within ourselves that isn't being met by the natural around us. Regardless of how much security we try and gather from stuff and possessions, and we just don't get it at the level that Jesus is offering when he said, I am the bread of life. Philip Yancey in his book, Rumours of Another World, says this. He says, a society that denies the supernatural normally ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. And so natural bread and natural things can only fill us to a certain level. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell the crowds. He said, oh, yes, I fed you, I recognised you were hungry physically, but actually I'm here to meet a much deeper need. I'm here to provide a food that will nourish you at the deepest part of your soul and actually will enable you to have life forevermore. He tells them to work for food in verse 27 that endures to eternal life. These people are used to working, they're used to working hard, working the land to get food. And they're also under Roman oppressions. They're used to working um, under Roman taxation. They're also used to working under religious expectation because they know they, they work under a religious system that demands they do certain things at certain times. So they say, what must we do then to, to work to get this bread? We naturally know we have to work for everything else. How do we work to get the bread? And Jesus has this amazingly powerful statement. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And this is the essence of the gospel right here in this statement. The work of God is to believe in the one he sent. And the word believe here, it's not a mental affirmation. Uh, it's not like saying, I, I believe that, that men walked on the moon. It's not that sort of, yeah, I, I, I believe it happened. This is a different sort of belief. In the King James Version, it says, it, it, it says to believe on. And that's a better expression of this word. It means to put your trust in. If I asked you to, to believe in a bridge that I built over a hundred foot gorge, you might say, yeah, I believe you built that bridge. But if I asked you to walk over that bridge, your belief would have taken a whole different level. You'd have to trust that the bridge I built was sufficient to take your weight and keep you safe over that hundred foot drop. You'd have to believe on the bridge. You'd have to believe on me in a wholly different way. And that's the essence of the gospel that Jesus is talking about here. The work of God is to believe on me to put your trust in me. The crowd hear this and they do a strange thing. They say to Jesus, prove it. Prove that you can deliver this bread. And they seem to have forgotten really quickly all about the provision that happened the previous day. The way they were supernaturally fed, the way they received uh, from Jesus in a miraculous way. And they start talking about manna, which was the uh, supernatural bread that came down in the wilderness that they're celebrating at this time of Passover. And Jesus says to them, you know, that manna was one thing, but I'm here to provide a wholly different thing. That, that manna was provision for you at that time, but I'm here to provide for you in a, in a completely different way, in a, in, a, in a much fuller way. And they seem to get convinced by these statements that Jesus makes. And, he's, and they say, OK, give us, sir, give us the bread then. We, we, we're convinced you've got it. We, we, we think we need it. Give us the bread. And then there's the catch. 
Jesus says, I'm the bread. I can't give you the bread because I'm the bread. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus isn't going to provide the bread for them. He is the bread. And this is, creates a stumbling block for the Jewish people listening because they see him clearly equating himself to God. They begin to grumble. How can this, how can this man be bread? We know who he is. He's Jesus. He's the son of Joseph. We know his mother and father. How can he be what he claims to be? And Jesus is causing an offence in them, but then he pushes it even further. He says these incredibly difficult statements. He says, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they died. But I'm the bread that comes down from heaven and I'm the living bread. And, and what you've got to do is you've got to eat me. My flesh is the thing you have to consume. I'm the living bread and I have to be eaten. And then he goes on to say, you've got to eat my flesh and you've got to drink my blood. And they, you can imagine the reaction in the crowd when Jesus made these statements. There must have been a mixture of confusion and disgust. Uh, you know, what was this man talking about? How could we possibly eat him? You know, what, what does this mean? And it says later on in this chapter that many of the followers turned away from him. They couldn't, they literally couldn't swallow what he was saying. They couldn't cope with the statement. And even disciples, these were just hangers on or crowds that had gathered recently. Disciples who'd been following Jesus turned away when they heard Jesus make this statement. And this was a crowd that had followed him some seven miles up from the lake, all the way up to the synagogue in Capernaum. They'd all followed him up and then suddenly Jesus drops this bombshell and they say, we can't, we can't cope with this now, and they turn away. And Jesus is confronting them. He's confronting them. And Jesus wasn't a fix. He wasn't the fix that they thought he was. He was a feast. He was a feast to be, to be taken in and at the very deepest part of who they were. Imagine you were in the crowd that day. Imagine you'd been fascinated by this person of Jesus. Imagine you'd been down by the lake and you'd heard him teach and then you, and then you were there when the, the bread and the fish got supernaturally multiplied and you ate that bread and fish that had been somehow uh, multiplied to feed thousands. And then, you, and then you followed Jesus across the lake and you followed him all the way up, listening to him teach and speak all the way up into Capernaum. And then you hear him say to you, unless you eat my flesh, and drink my blood, you have no life in you. How would you, how would you have reacted? What would you have done? What would you have felt? All your expectations in who this man was and what he was going to do would have been completely disrupted as he made those statements. No leader you'd ever heard before would have said to you, eat me, that's what you need to do, you need to consume me. But Jesus said this, and you're in the crowd and you hear him say it very clearly, what would you have done? You see people that followed him for weeks and months start to turn away and walk away from him. Why was Jesus making a statement that was completely decimating his following? As we study the passage today, we have the benefit of a bigger picture. We know the cross is looming large over Jesus' life. We know that on the night he was betrayed, he takes the Passover meal, the elements of the bread and the wine, and he, and he raises them to a new status of symbolism. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. My body and my blood are going to be poured out for you and, and they're going to provide a way for you to enter into new life. And, and, that's, and that's why my body is the ultimate thing that will be given for you. My, my body is real food. My, my blood is real drink. This is the way that you're going to be nourished 
and find spiritual life. But at that moment, if you were in that crowd, you would have none of this bigger picture. You would just be hearing Jesus say these words. And what's even more extraordinary, the word Jesus uses to, to say, eat me or feast on me, is a word that's a really graphic, earthy word. It means to gnaw or to chew or to crunch or to grunch. You know, it's a real, it's a real strong word. And so Jesus almost like pushes it even further by saying, you've got to chew down on me. You've got to chew down. You've got to, you've got to crunch through me to really get spiritual life. And by using this word, there could be no mistake in what he was meaning. He was really pushing hard into the motives of the crowd. Why were they following him? What would you have done? What would I have done? Would you have just thought this is just too much? This man's strange and weird and crazy and turned away. Or would you have hung on and waited and thought, I don't understand, but I see there's something more here. I see there's a deeper insight to be found, to be discovered. Would you have stayed or would you have gone? For those that managed to linger, even Peter, you know, said, I don't understand, but, but, you know, where can I go? You have the words of life. So he lingered and stayed and, and a much smaller crowd must have been left around Jesus when he'd said these words. But after the rest had dissipated away, he says to them, he gives them the key. He says, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. What he's been talking about is spiritual nourishment, that he is the ultimate key to spiritual fulfillment and food. The crowd were fixated on their, on their immediate physical needs. They thought Jesus could provide for them supernaturally. Jesus was going for their spiritual life, the, the greater need in each of them and in us. The flesh, he said, would ultimately die. That Their forefathers, their ancestors had ate supernatural food in the desert, but they died. But Jesus said, if you come to me, if you nourish yourself on me, you will have a life that carries on forever. Jesus is the bread that enables us to become spiritually alive not just in the moment, in the day, but on to eternal life. This was a massive shaking moment for all those who were around Jesus, even those who were very close to him. Even his closest followers were shaken by this moment of provocation uh, that was taking place. There was a deeper commitment call here that was taking place in the life of the followers of Jesus. And we're experiencing a real shaking right now, aren't we, as church? We're experiencing a shaking because of COVID-19, we experience a shaking because we can't gather together in a normal way. We can't worship in the normal way. Lots of things that we normally put our hope in, our security in, are, are no longer present. We can't do them at this moment in time. And so we're experiencing a real shaking too. And I think what I would say to you today in the midst of this message is that Jesus is still the bread of life. He's still the bread that came down from heaven. Regardless of whether we can meet in the way we've always met, regardless of the... If, if we can do the things we've done before, Jesus doesn't stop being the bread of life because of COVID-19. He's still the bread. He's still looking to nourish our souls at the deepest level. And he still wants us to take him in and to really chew on him. Just like a, the metaphor is like a cow chewing the cud. A cow has to chew the grass over and over again to get the nourishment out of it. Because there's so little nutritional value in grass. A cow spends all its time chewing on that grass to extract every amount of nutrition from it. And Jesus says, chew on me, chew on me, chew on me, feast on me. Let the life I have become part of you, become part of who you are. You see, Jesus can never be just a side order. You go into a restaurant and you often get a plate on the side and a piece of bread. And Jesus is never the side order of bread 
in our lives. He, he can never be that. And that's why he provoked the crowds. He said, if you really want me in your life, if you really want the spiritual life I offer, then I have to become everything to you. I have to become the most integral part of you. If you ate something, it would be assimilated into who you were. I need to be as integrated into you as, it, as if you'd eaten me, as if I was, I was a part of you. Jesus wants to come and satisfy the deepest needs of our souls. Back then, with that crowd, and the same today. He knows that we're hungry, and he wants to fill that hunger. He wants to meet us as the bread of life. And if we don't receive Jesus in that way, then we end up maybe being just like those children who, who, who even though they were in an environment of security, uh, they were safe, and they were being fed, they still had that, that deep sense of needing something more. You know, we don't go to bed sleeping with bread, do we? But we should go to bed sleeping with the bread of life, knowing that Jesus uh, is there for us when we sleep and when we wake. He's our comfort and our security. He's our provision. He's our provider. He, he, he said, if you come to me, you'll never thirst. You'll never go hungry. I will always be the provision for you. And it's a time of huge uncertainty for us right now in the world. There's so much that can create anxiety in us, so much that can cause tension and fear. So just like as children, Jesus wants to come and be the bread of life to us that we can hold on to and take into the deepest part of who we are and find peace and security. And we start, Jesus just says, by coming, we come. He said, come, we just come as we are. We come, we don't need to come in a certain way or be a certain person or be religious or get ourselves sorted or say certain words or wear certain clothes. We just come as we are first of all, we come to Jesus. And then he said, believe. And we've said, believe is to put our trust in, is to put our hope in, it's to, it's to say, Jesus, I, I need you. I trust in who you said you were. I trust in what you did for me. I trust that your love and grace is sufficient for me. I trust that you have new meaning and significance for me. And we believe on him. We, we stand on him like that bridge I mentioned. We, we put our trust fully into him. We lean into him. And then we receive. We receive what he has for us. We don't have to work to receive it. We don't have to, to fulfill any religious obligations. We don't have to become a certain person, do a certain thing. Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven to us. Every other religion tries to work up to God. But Jesus is the bread that came down to us so that we can receive all he has for us. So I want to invite you today to receive Jesus into your soul afresh, to receive his nourishment. You may have known Jesus for years. You may just be on a journey of discovery. But I want to encourage you today to open your heart and receive him, to come to him just as you are, to believe in him, to believe not just a mental ascent, but to trust in the person of Jesus Christ, and then to receive all he has for you. So let's pray. You might want to just close your eyes and open your hands in an attitude of receiving what God has for you today. As we open our hands, we're just expectant that God has something for us. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life, that you said that about yourself, that you've come to give us spiritual life, to nourish our souls at the deepest part. So Lord, help us to come to you today, just as we are, to come just before you, expectant. Help us to believe in you today, 
if that belief has only been a mental belief, I pray it would take on a much deeper level. Help us to believe on you, to trust in who you are, to trust in what you did, to trust that you love us and help us to receive from you, Lord. We receive again the bread of life that nourishes our soul at the deepest part. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.